Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andre Gazzetta! Yay! We've got a great episode for you. It's Paige's week. We are dying of sickness. So uh, sick. So it's a real silly one. I like it a lot, though. We make a lot of fun jokes and talk some theology. A little bit. But before we do that, we got some five-star reviews and some news. Bow, bow, bow. Let's start with the news. First and foremost, guys, we're doing another live show. Live show. We're doing a live show in the San Diego, California area. So much in the area that it's in San Diego, California. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, we're doing it at the Comedy Palace on June 29th at 7.30 p.m. Our live show is the same hour and a half show that we debuted in Kansas City at Panic Fest. It covers the Chicago Rippers. It's super dope. It's, it's a- so much fun. Yeah, Armando wrote the episode and it's bananas i spent like what what was it, like six months researching <laughs> working on that one it's some of the best jokes we've ever written some of the best research we've ever done and one of the weirdest and also most convincing speculation zones i think i've ever made in my it's bananas life. it's bananas it's great it's also there is something to be said for watching the show with a bunch of other cult podcast listeners yeah it's such a cool experience it's so much fun it's also the weirdest thing to watch you all go yay it makes me so happy <laughs> It's my favorite. Thing. I feel like I'm so celebrated and welcome. I'm like, oh. <laughs> if you want to come out, tickets are online and they're ten dollars. You can find them at cultpodcastshow.com/slash San Diego, or you can go to our website cultpodcastshow.com and then just head over to the show's page. And next, we got some five star review. Five stars. This one comes to us from Snow2040, and if you rearrange those, it says 0420. <laughs> okay. I don't, yeah, I guess, I mean, all numbers do, really. If you, <laughs> That's why I learned arithmetic. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. the title of this one is Pimp and Two Hoes and Some LSD. I'm the pimp. You're the hose. <laughs> I'm, I'm two hoes. <laughs> I am the weight of two hoes, and this is my girlfriend, LSD. <laughs> Love hearing about Colt. Sometimes it gets a little sad, but your humor gets me through the show. Thanks for not using, like, a movie phone voice to make it way too dramatic. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Phil. <laughs> Hashtag dicks out. <laughs> dicks out. Dicks out. Dicks out for Rambo. Yeah, dicks out shit. for Rambo. Anyway, we've got a great episode for you. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And without further ado, let's get to it. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! And it's my week! Yes! Also, I will let you know that this was researched on a lot of cold medicines, so if it makes little to no sense... 
that's not my fault. This cult makes little to no sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, I mean, I was looking for one that was going to be a little shorter because all the last like three episodes I've done have been like two hours long and probably should have been two episodes each, but whatevs. And I wanted one that wasn't a downer. Nice. So this is a a group. I'll say group because this is one of the ones where we got a lot of consensual adults uh, believing Los Angeles crystal nonsense. Okay. And, okay. Uh, and no one's really being kept anywhere. I mean, there's definitely tiers and memberships and there's a lot of links to other groups that are definitely more on the cult spectrum of things. Um, but this group is, I would say, relatively harmless. Are there also a lot of links to uh, Etsy pages where you can find salt crystals and stuff of that? No, there's a lot of links to YouTube with people demonstrating how to sing their meditation song, which we'll play a little bit of in a little bit. This is my meditation Meditation song. song. I want to find peace all all day long. long. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty close. Um, I'd be more entertained by that. But uh, the first time I heard about this cult... Uh, I was in high school, which if you've listened since episode one, uh, in high school, I had like a world religions class and we spent a whole hell of a lot of it on cults. Nice. (laughs) And uh, my teacher of that class particularly hated this group and used to frequently do impressions of the leader. (laughs) of this group I was not able to really find videos of it uh, what he was doing impressions of is the the guy who used to be the leader of this group it's not the current guy uh, he used to have like public access shows at like three in the morning and their whole belief system revolves around quote-unquote the light of God and it's one of those things that, like, the more they get into it, the more you're like, this makes no You're not saying anything. This is just a lot of big words and you saying things that don't mean anything. Yeah, there's nothing spiritual about it. Even Motel 6 will leave the light on for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the guy apparently uh, would just, like, be at a podium just like, and if we talk about the light... And experience the light. And just like a monotone voice, just like a thousand points of light. And if we look into the light at the end of the tunnel, then Is the light will envelop basically. And um, He's going to go blind from looking at the sun is what's up. Yeah. And it just it, sounds like any moth <laughs> that's ever been trapped in my house. <laughs> if we just go towards the go light. Go towards the light. Um, and my high school teacher used to just be like, this dude is ridiculous and he's a terrible public speaker. That's why a can car is the worst. So today we're talking about a can car. Uh, it was also one of those things when, when I first moved to Hollywood, there's a giant Akan car center on Sunset Boulevard with like window posters of just like experience the light of God, Akan car. And you're just like, who goes in there? Who's like walking down the street and is like, you know what I need? Vistaprint graphics. <laughs> like, let's go in here. Um, but the more that I read about the guy who founded a can car, the more interesting it was. It's one of those ones where as far as quote unquote groups or cults go, they're pretty basic. 
but as far as the leader goes, I find him pretty fascinating and pretty hilarious. Um, there's a lot of debate about him and his life. Obviously, if you go to the Encancar website, which is one of our sources, they kind of only talk about the good side. And I'll kind of go over it a little towards later in the episode. But historically, there's some other pretty interesting things about this guy. So nice, nice, nice. Uh, our sources are going to be the Akankar website as well as Cult Education Institute, mainly just for some details. Again, like I said, they're pretty harmless, so it's not like I have a whole, you know, compendium of sources of like they're bad. It's just a lot of people being like, yeah, I guess believe that if you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've also very important, got the Amazon list of all of the books written by Paul Twitchell. And that's pretty important. I'm going to read some of them to you because Paul Twitchell was not only a very prolific author, much like Ryuho Okawa, mm -hmm. he does write a number of books where he quote unquote talks to the masters, uh, but he was also a pulp fiction writer. Oh, okay. okay. And learned a lot from his friend, fellow Pulp Fiction writer, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. So yes. we'll get into it. There's a lot of crazy. This is Paul Twitchell. If I can like put him into a category, I would say, in my opinion, he is like the world's greatest wannabe. Okay. Aw, that's sad. Like at everything that he does? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's literally the dude that wants to be cool and wants to do cool stuff and wants to be a part of something big, and he just ends up kind of copying other people that did it better. He's the anti-Donald Glover. <laughs> he is the anti-Donald Glover. He He's the guy that, like... Like, L. Ron Hubbard is like, yeah, you wish you were L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> like, like, it's real crazy. Oh, boy. If you want to be my Glover. <laughs> if you, you want to be, be my Hubbard, you better be get Ron with Hubbard. my boats. <laughs> <laughs> but measles last forever. <laughs> I think I mean, we're going to spend most of this episode talking about Paul Twitchell. And then just a little bit about a Kankar itself because it, it is really mainly just a meditation group okay um but paul twitchell's crazy and amazing i thought it was an automobile made of recycled goods <laughs> a can car a can car um they do abbreviate it to ck ek he tried to create his own thing right around the same time as l ron hubbard and l ron hubbard came up with scientology which is just like a powerful name that makes you be like ology what are you studying science that's a part of it you know like it conjures something yeah it really and then, is just a perfect brand it is a yeah, pretty good say, brand you gotta really work on your branding ek ek can car it's one of those things where if you went to someone or like oh what church do you go to and you were like a can car they'd be like bless you like it's just <laughs> not it doesn't really it doesn't really work i don't think it's a little weird <laughs> um so paul twitchell there's some debate about when he was born. He Okay? Yes. He, Is he American? Yes. And he would frequently give a bunch of different dates. So on record, supposedly he was born in 1908, 1910, 1912, 1920, and 1922. 
Uh, right, 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 right. That's how you get born. You get born, and they're like, <laughs> and not ready I'm yet. I'm born again. You go back in the vagina. You come out when you're ready, and then you're like, you t- I'm still cooking in here. Yeah, um, it's a start and stop situation. So the Library of Congress says Hold 19- on. <laughs> so you're insinuating that birth for this man is like when you pull out the lasagna, and you're like, nah, this one ain't done yet. I'm no, going to put it it's, back it's in. It's more like an easy bake oven where, like, You've got the crank and you crank it through, and then you see it on the other side. And you're like, nah, it's still gooey. You it's crank never it back done. Under the light bulb. That's I've the always problem. wondered. His mom's vagina was an easy bake oven. <laughs> I've always she... wondered how those things were able to actually cook the food, and it's because it's the light of God. Oh. <laughs> That's what's inside an easy bake oven. Those cake pans are a can car because they roll, but they're also made of metal. Okay, so uh, the Library of Congress says 1908. I I say that that's probably a fair guess, considering he passed away in 1971. Uh, That would have made him 63. Ah, So close. So I think that sounds about right. Uh, He was born in Paducah, Kentucky, to Effie and Jacob Twitchell. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to so, Jacob for having the only normal name in that sentence. So, I mean, Effie was a pretty normal name back in the day. Oh, I oh, thought word? it was only from Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like... You hang out with a lot of Effies from Paducah, do you? No, but in Dreamgirls, one of them is named Effie. <laughs> okay. We're using Dreamgirls as a, as a... I'm just saying, Effie's not a, actually my sister had a friend in college named Effie. Like, it's not that crazy. It's a weird-ass name, bro. Yeah, her it was short for like Effigonus, I think was her name. That's a weird weird name. But yeah, anyway, so he had a pretty normal childhood. Went to high school in Paducah, attended a teachers college, uh, and then transferred to Western Kentucky State Teachers College. He failed to graduate from either of them. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> what were his degrees gonna be in? Teaching. Um, just teaching. Yeah, he went like to general, a teaching generally? college. General teaching. Okay. Yeah. He went to a college. With teaching in the name. But this is definitely an indication of, like, early in his life, he wanted to be a a teacher and a leader. He just doesn't have the skill. (laughs) Like, that's kind of the problem. Yeah, he literally failed teaching school. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like a Rudy. He's just all heart. He is. He is all heart. (laughs) He's a cult leader Rudy. He's the Rudy of cult leaders. Manson carrying him out of the... Rudy! Rudy! Rudy. Spiders! Spiders! (laughs) Uh, A few years later, uh, he got married to a woman named Camille. Before he left to serve in the United States Naval Reserve during World War II. He makes all of the choices that are, like, near what cult leaders do, but then just slightly off. Yeah, well, and, and it's, he really is, like, he's like L. Ron Hubbard's, like... Pepsi. Pepsi, <laughs> yeah. If L. Ron Hubbard is Coca-Cola... He's Shasta. Because L. Ron Hubbard also was famously in the Navy, sort of. Also right around this time. There's a lot of parallels where it's like he and L. Ron Hubbard were doing the same shit, but L. Ron Hubbard was like, kept on winning. Is that (laughs) why Scientology is all about boats? Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard's obsessed with boats. I had no idea. But here's the thing. He was never, he didn't succeed in the Navy. He was like almost discharged because he fired on Mexico at one point. Yeah. Right, We, at some point when we have, like, 
some legal guns or when Scientology dissolves. We'll we, fire on Mexico. <laughs> we'll fire on Mexico. We'll do a whole episode of the absolute bat shittery <laughs> that L. Ron Hubbard got up to. Um, but he believed himself to be a war hero despite never seeing combat. What do you mean he didn't see combat? He saw all that space fights. <laughs> he saw all that combat. Well, Paul Twitchell... Conversely, uh, he was actually in the Naval Reserves from 42 to 45 and was honorably discharged as a lieutenant. So he actually was in the Navy, oh, but he was the Naval Reserves. 42 to 45. That's the World end of War, the, it's, World War II? Yeah, that's the end of World War II. So he's okay. a backup hero. Yeah, he's a backup hero. He didn't like storm Normandy. He was no, just like, tell us how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I heard we have boats. <laughs> they got me on reserve, but like some point I'll be there eventually. I'll bring my water wings. Um, you know what they say, those who can't do teach and those who can't <laughs> teach are in the reserve. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> At that point or afterwards, after his service, uh, he actually became a correspondent for Our Navy magazine. Um, he actually is a writer, kind of by trade. So he becomes kind of an a, like a journalist, like a freelance journalist for a while. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And that kind of goes into, he goes from writing for like Navy and military magazines into space and science fiction magazines again much like l ron hubbard what's his personality is he like nerdy does he have a personality he's a people pleaser it seems to me because he's always just like i'm gonna do this thing and it's gonna be great and you'll see that it's great and everyone's like we weren't listening (laughs) to be fair about that transition though uh what are spaceships but the ships of the sky (laughs) i mean true if Titan A.E., the cartoon, taught us anything, it's that. <laughs> so after the war, like everyone at that time, he starts getting into new religious movements and the occult, which, again, this is a time period where we see so much of that in America. I didn't realize that was so prevalent this early. Like, I, I knew that it was happening in the 60s, but I didn't mm. realize as early as the late like the 40s. Fi- well, at this point, it's basically the 50s. Okay. okay. Um, so in the 50s, because we've got him, L. Ron Hubbard, right around the same time, is writing and starting to kind of develop the, what will become Scientology. He's already left Jack Parsons at this point. So, like... There's definitely an influx of both spiritual thinking and occult thinking at the time. Uh, This is also the same time as the Church of Satan was kind of in its infancy, early 60s. So late 50s, you've still already got Anton LaVey, Aleister Crowley still kicking around this time. So mostly fucking mostly fucking some but kicking. then also kicking yeah. when the spell calls for it but mostly just coming on knives and so <laughs> there's a lot of it going around That's there's how he gets his kicks i'm Yay. sorry, I'm so sorry. there's still a lot of like mystical fraternal organizations are a big thing at the time i think like a lot of it also comes from people getting out of the armed services yeah and missing the camaraderie i mean that's how i'm not trying to do a direct comparison but that is what happened with like the clan is the, the civil war ended and they were like man remember when we used to get together 
and hate black people, and then they got together and they did it together. But this is much more wholesome because they're not a bunch of racists. Yeah, no, they're more just like, hey, do you guys want to like come on some knives? I have been waiting <laughs> for someone to ask me to come on knives. This is what happens when women aren't in groups. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. They've actually done studies that uh, factories are more productive if there's at least one woman on every floor uh, because they cut down on bullshit. Yeah, uh. that makes a lot of sense. I used to work at a warehouse and there was zero women that worked there. We were just coming on all the knives. <laughs> They're I like, I'm just trying to spread cream cheese on a bagel and all of these knives are sticky. <laughs> I didn't realize you were, you were, what is, what's the thing that you sell knives for? Cut co? Cut co? <laughs> Come co. Come co. Come co. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, a big thing also is meditation and Eastern mysticism. One of the things that World War II kind of brought to America in a way is a lot of the people that were in the war had the chance to travel to parts of the world that they'd never been to, and they brought things back. Mm -hmm. So in some cases, this is what they brought back. Um, Come? Yeah, and illegitimate children. A lot of illegitimate (laughs) children. A lot of illegitimate children. So in... 1950, he and his wife joined Pramananda Giri's Self-Realization Church of Absolute Monism, which is an offshoot of the Self-Realization Fellowship. You may be familiar with it. It's the neighbor to the Scientology building. So this is Absolute Monism? Monism. (laughs) Mone, mone. Um, And oddly enough, if you go... Like, one or two blocks further down, it's mm-hmm. the Akankar Center. Like, it's all kind of on that same block. And if you go even farther, uh, you'll reach a kitchenware place that has some real sexy knives. On yeah. Sunset? Yeah. Real sexy knives. Just begging for that cum. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, he and his wife actually lived on the church grounds. And this is something... We haven't done an episode on Self-Realization Fellowship yet. We've had some people ask... They don't have as many people living on the grounds now. Okay. But back in the 50s and 60s, it was a much bigger deal. You would live on the grounds almost like a monk um, and tend to the gardens and see visitors and lead meditations and things like that. It was like uh, the old school version of living on Google campus. Pretty much. Uh, except his job living on the grounds was to edit their periodical, The Mystic Cross. Oh, I thought you were going to say edit their podcast. I mean, basically, <laughs> because they didn't have podcasts, but they definitely had weird newsletters. So it's the so podcast of reading. It's the podcast yeah. of Which your Which is a eyes. newspaper. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, until 1955, when he was asked to leave the church... For personal misconduct. All of these goddamn knives are covered (laughs) in your semen. Please leave. Um, Now, here's here's the interesting part. Uh, Just a couple months after being asked to leave, he formally separated from his wife, who had continued to live on the compound the whole time. Oh. Uh, So... All I'm saying is maybe it wasn't so much self-fellowship as it was, like, other people. (laughs) Like, I think he was maybe sleeping around or doing it Louis C.K. style where he was self-realizing his fellowship in front of unwilling participants. Just, (laughs) I don't know what it was, uh, but it seems to have both caused him to move off the compound, but also become separated from his wife. Yeah. What was really interesting, though, is it took five years for their divorce to be finalized. 
Okay. That's a long time. Yeah. It takes longer in California. I know that for a matter of fact. That's true. They had to fight over who gets the monk robes. (laughs) (laughs) I get the Vitamix. You get the Zen Garden. I want to keep the knives. Yes. No one's arguing. No one wants your knives. I just don't want to be married to you anymore. (laughs) Um, So at that point, after he left the self-realization fellowship, while he was still in the process of getting divorced, he got really into meditation, considering a man named Kirpal Singh to be his mentor. Um, and he got into Surat Shabd. Sriracha? Yeah. Sriracha yoga. <laughs> so spicy. Surat Shabd yoga. Also known as Sant Matt. And he immediately became a devoted student of, of uh, Kirpal Singh. So now he's been in literally two cults already. Nice. How he, old is he at this point? He is, let's see, 1955. He was born in 1908. 47, I guess. Yeah. He's anywhere between 47 and 58 or yeah, something. He's anywhere between 47 and 58. But he clearly is... Like a devoted follower, he's into the cult life, he's all in, he's now done it twice. So he then claimed during his initiation to this group that a master appeared to him in his apartment and dictated messages to him and he would then type them up and mail them to this yogi in India. (laughs) Constantly. Okay. Okay. Weird pen pals. Until (laughs) until, uh, 1966, uh, when that yogi, Kirpal Singh, found out that Twitchell was teaching a program that was, like, very similar to the ones that he had taken as a student. (laughs) So he basically was just like, I'm doing this now. I'm the master now. Uh, And then... Twitchell claimed that he never saw Kerpal Singh as like a mentor or a master. He basically was just like, no, I thought of this. This is all mine, even though it's very clearly copied. He also claims that he like never spiritually benefited from that guy. Anyway, that's like the yoga equivalent of you never made me come. Yeah, exactly. I never reached spiritual enlightenment when you taught me. Yeah. Uh, December, uh, 1963, so, like, three years before this rift happened, Twitchell had actually asked Kirpal Singh to allow him to dedicate a book to him. The book is called The Tiger's Fang. And Singh read it and was just like, nah, no thank you. And that apparently is what started to cause... Like yeah. the riff. Yeah. You really have to. It has to be a real bad book for you to be like, please don't dedicate this to me. Yeah, please don't right. even put me on the third page of your book. Please. <laughs> that most people won't even read. It's like, right. I don't want to even be near this thing. I don't want to be associated. Because yeah. usually it's like, oh, I did none of the work and I'm getting acknowledged. Great. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So at this point, Twitchell eventually reconnected with an old friend. Knives. <laughs> Knives. Uh, in 1950, he actually allegedly, right around this same time, so like the 1950s, 
to the 1960s, he basically dabbled in a bunch of everything, including Scientology. It was like, okay. he like religion was a buffet and he was there for all of it. <laughs> um, allegedly, according to them, uh, he was one of the first people to be deemed clear. According to Scientology? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, now, if you remember anything about Scientology at this time, I know we haven't covered it at length, and I know that some of the episodes where we covered this element of Scientology uh, were taken down because of links to whatever stuff. But right around this time, Scientology wasn't an official religion yet. It was just a series of classes called Dianetics that L. Ron Hubbard would teach people. The other thing, too, he would license Scientology out for other people to teach it. That's why you have a bunch of smaller groups that seem to have a similar structure to Scientology and have a lot of the same teachings, but just with different names. That's why. Do we... I, We've covered a couple. Okay. So this is franchise infringement, essentially. Yeah. So, the, But this is during the time of Scientology franchisation. Yeah, Later so it's, on... It's not infringement. He's, like, leasing it out. He's, like, leasing it out. And yeah. But, la- yeah. Later on, he would repeal all those leases. Yeah. It's like religion Airbnb is what he's doing. Essentially, it, it's almost as if he, like, sold stock in Scientology and then bought it all back. Yeah. So, which is what he does kind of later in the 70s. But right now, in the 60s, specifically like 1963, Twitchell started teaching classes, becoming an auditor, writing articles for their magazines, and a bunch of other stuff for Scientology just kind of as like a layperson, not like a hardcore devotee, even though he was allegedly clear. (laughs) But he was kind of active in their whole oeuvre. He seems to really enjoy groups that have kind of a cult feel to them. Because yeah. he's in like four at once at this I point. I think that he's seeing that these groups are the only ones who will see him as any form of teacher. Possibly. I think it, because it sounds like his main dream is just to teach stuff. But here's the thing. Every time he joins one of these groups and, like, dives into it, bad shit happens, and he ends up leaving kind of in disgrace. Yeah. Because in 1968, L. Ron Hubbard listed Twitchell and Akankar, which would be his religion he developed later mm-hmm. on, as supp- as suppressive persons and groups. So, <laughs> li- like, 63, he's teaching classes. By 68, they're like, fuck you. And in part, I think it's because he took a lot of those Scientology classes and are like, this is part of my thing now. He's just a giant snowball that's just collecting shit as he rolls down the hill. So he's like the Drake of cult leaders. How so? Drake is known for doing this thing where he has, like, the Drake sweatshop where he'll take popular things or new artists that are coming up and steal their style. Mm. And uh, and their flow. And yeah. sometimes their songs, like he did for The weekend. He did for The weekend on uh, oh, Take shit. Care. Yeah, it's a lot of things that people don't know about uh, if they're just, like, casual observers, which is fine. But um, he's kind of a shady dude. I would almost say... Because this guy, because Drake does it, and he's pretty successful at it, but this guy seems to barely be like, he's just barely scraping by on doing it, is what it sounds like. Yeah, he's not super successful, and he keeps moving around at the same time. So, like, at one point, 
he moves to Seattle after uh, his sister dies and meets the woman who will become his second wife, Gail Ann Atkinson. But then he also then relocates to San Francisco. And he and his second wife were both initiated by that same guru while he was kind of teaching Scientology classes at the same time. Um, he also... Like, they eventually kind of moved down to San Diego for a while, and then eventually kind of back up to Los Angeles, and it's rumored that his second wife is the one that encourages him to basically take all of his, like, spiritual learnings, because he's been writing books this whole time of, like, the masters that have come to talk to him, and any number of things, and allegedly it's his wife that's like, you should compile these into your own religion. And so he does. Is he publishing these books? Yes. And you can buy all of them on Amazon. They're still out there. Um, Honey, here's the thing. (laughs) No one's as great as enlightenment as you. I feel like you just, you could be really something if you just believe in yourself. Okay. And also you really need to get the fuck out of the house. Please leave. (laughs) And leave the knives alone. So here's the, the like tricky part though. He initially claims, like, oh, yeah, it's this new revelation that I have. I have this new religion. No one knows anything about it. It's just me. And uh, no one cared. It's just like me. No big deal. It's just, I'm, like, it's pretty just great. me. It's no one cared about it until he was just like, just kidding. It's an ancient art. <laughs> and then people are like, ancient, you say? <laughs> because that's what white people love. And... <laughs> So he claims that it predates all major religious belief systems. He also says that he has a master that comes to him to give him the teachings for a Kankar named Rebazar Tars. Rebazar Tartar Sauce. Tartar Sauce. <laughs> Um, and he's invented kind of other masters along the way, uh, but people are these dis- human pe- people. Well, one of them is a rat, and he calls a master splinter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got a couple turtles he's in charge of. Supposedly, people, but there's no records of them being born or living or dying. I mean, I think the green or ooze public just, appearances. I think the green ooze just slimed on them. <laughs> so, wait, are you talking about the masters or teenage mutant ninja turtles? Masters. Whoops. <laughs> he kept writing books and study discourses. And giving talks around the world, these are the ones that would be on public access television later on. Okay. So these are like knockoff TED Talks. Yeah, knockoff TED Talks. He would write personal letters to students and articles for magazines, like a lot of like New Age Belief magazines. Hi, welcome to my Tom Talk. And I'm Tom. <laughs> a lot of critics have kind of raised concerns and he'll just like write articles being like, no, I didn't say that. Not at all. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. He, he wrote a series of articles where he referred to basically they're called the man who talks to God. And he kind of poked fun at gurus, including himself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, supposedly. He would, like, write some of these articles in exchange for them publishing more of his Akankar books. It's a whole thing. Um, He died September 17th, 1971, uh, while attending an Akankar seminar. He, like, saw the light and followed it to the end of that tunnel, (sighs) conveniently during a seminar about the light. 
Well, no, I'm sorry. How he, many people are following his religion at this not point? Not that many. There's not even that many now. Like a few thousand. Um, a few thousand? Like our podcast probably has more followers than this religion does. Anyway, he had determined, because I think he f- was in poor health and kind of knew that he was maybe going to die. I am dying, Maximus. <laughs> so he um, had basically determined that he wanted to have a successor. He just hadn't officially named that person yet. So when he died kind of suddenly and hadn't named one yet, they let his wife pick. And she picked a guy named Darwin Gross. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god. Gross. (laughs) Oh my god, gross. I've never heard a name that I just like, oh, you for sure got bullied your whole life. Hold up. Because Darwin Gross has also had a successor to the modern leader of a can car whose name is Harold Klemp. What? (laughs) What? the fuck it's a a whole group of nerds harold klemp sounds like a disease a cat would get yeah so in he's got klemp he's got the klemp that's why his eyes are watery that's what that's what it sounds like when they got the klemp so uh in 1984 harold klemp then the leader and currently the leader uh he helps maintain an archive of all of Twitchell's writings because Twitchell was, if nothing else, a very prolific writer. And he would write tons of letters, tons of books. Unfortunately, many, many people, specifically in 2006, have cited that nearly all of his books are lifted in whole or in part from other people's books. Plagiarism. Okay. Now I know why he got kicked out of teaching school. Yes. Plagiarism. Plagiarism. Hardcore plagiarism. And they had a chance to obviously respond to these allegations. And they said, no, no, no. He's not a plagiarizer. We consider him to be a master compiler, saying that he basically was gathering all of these cosmic <laughs> teachings so that we could understand them all in one place. No, nah, dude. He didn't steal it. He was just sampling it. Yeah, he didn't steal it. He was collecting it. <laughs> He's the Kanye of writing books. He was just like, I'm going to put a little bit of this. Bam, 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 bam. I didn't fuck your wife. I was just being a dick smith. Like, this is what it is. I didn't, I didn't fuck your wife. I'm just a master pussy compiler. That's yeah, exactly. I'm just compiling all this pussy into my pussy catalog. So... At this Why point, am I going to jail? I'm a bank compiler. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to read you uh, just some of his book titles. Oh, please. I want yeah, it so much. Yeah, do it, do it, do it, do the it. The Flute of God. <laughs> Sounds like what? a dick. Okay. Well, here's the other thing, too, and I'll play it for you in just a second. One of the biggest things they do, they concentrate a lot on meditation, and they've also stolen kind of some stuff from Christianity where they're like, it's like Christianity, but with meditation, but also Scientology and also Here's Eastern the mysticism. The copyright. Right, yeah. In, in fairness, the copyright is out on the Bible. For sure. But Scientology still within that copyright law. Very much so. Can't steal from them, bro. Um, so what a lot of people don't know is that Mickey Mouse is actually in the Bible. And so <laughs> it's fair use. But here's the thing. So they have a huge thing with sound. I don't really know why. Sound and light. And they concentrate a lot on this concept of singing who. Not the who. (laughs) 
Dahudo. I wish it was that. Welcome again, card to this place. Should be welcome, Twitchell. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so the flute of God, I'm sure, is related to them singing who? And <laughs> you'll see ads for is them that on what Facebook. You guys think flutes sound like? <laughs> no. I know what flutes sound like. I listen to Lizzo all the time. I <laughs> played the flute in grade school. That was my instrument. That's Hands of why- all who were surprised. None of us. Exactly. It's the worst instrument. I hated it. I would so have much. guessed the recorder. <laughs> I never learned. <laughs> anyway, so that's probably what the flute of God is referring to. Um, wise, shine, think clearly, live deeply, be someone you value. What the fuck? <laughs> this is okay. All okay. That's okay. not a book. Okay. That's a that's a boggle sheet. Herbs, the magic healers. Okay, I'm back on board. <laughs> Difficulties of becoming the living Eckmaster. Oh, no. The living Eckmaster definitely sounds like someone who's into some weird porn. The living Eckmaster was definitely Darwin Gross. (laughs) I am the master of Eck. (laughs) So, that said, do you want to hear them sing who? Yeah. yeah. Sing it like this. He... They do it in a big, huge group for like half an hour. It sounds like they're just saying, ew. (laughs) It sounds like they're kids whose moms forced them to go into Lane Bryant and they want to (laughs) leave. I don't want to wait on the uncomfy chair in the dressing room. But it's like, join us, live in the light, and come join us in singing who? And you're just like, okay. And then it's like 30 adults just like, hey. So do you, do what, what, like, what, do you practice on Sundays? Is there church? Like, how does this even work? But they get together most nights of the week if you want to go up to the one on sunset. We totally can. Also, to tune up, they use the hum of an uh, air conditioner. (laughs) I'm happy. I'm I'm really happy to come and ruin the harmony of this with my <laughs> off key singing, <laughs> as you've noticed in all hellos and goodbyes. I'm just I'm just picturing that one day they're like, I actually achieved enlightenment. Oh shit, the fan is broken. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> like, you're just like you're just hearing an off motor, and you're like, hey. oh my god, I got there. That sounds yes. like an angry jet ski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like, do they believe in this? And you just kind of like, yeah, all of it. Everything. Everyone's so, stuff. Jesus it's Christ. just a lot of silly nonsense. It's a lot of silly nonsense. They're the Cheesecake Factory of religion. They They're are like, the Cheesecake Factory. You want it. Scientology? We got you. You want Jesus? We've got Jesus. If you want like a broken fan belt on an old Toyota, we've got that too. We've got the world's worst spaghetti. Come on down. <laughs> We have to move this religion. I will probably be kicked out of this religion I've started. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. So 
So he passes away. He passes away. They name she, a successor. They name a successor, and then another successor after that. Uh-huh. His wife remained in the religion until I believe she has also passed away at this point. As okay. Well. At this point, she would be like a hundred years old. Okay. So do they have any like weird rules about like marriage? They're or very loosey goosey. They actually so their official position on most stuff that other people have positions on, uh, they considered abortion, divorce, sexual orientation. And decisions to terminate life to be personal matters. Okay. Um, decisions to terminate life. Is like your that... own. Oh. Like like suicide. Okay. If you choose to. That's that sounds like matter. the, the no. most messed up way to say murder. It does. Oh. But um, they discourage the use of tobacco, alcohol, and other drugs. I'm out. <laughs> and they encourage community service. They have a hardcore. book. They have a book called Herb, the most bestest medicine. <laughs> I know. Um, they also, they believe that God is neither male or female, which is actually something I believe also, just unrelated to this. Yeah. I don't think spiritual entities have gender or Yeah, should. I'm, I'm right. like, he's not human, so our confines of gender don't. I actually, I got into it with someone recently about angels, because as you, some of you know, I paint angels sometimes for yeah. people. And someone was really upset that the angels weren't masculine enough. And I was like, angels are non, they're not supposed to have a gender. So even like Gabriel, like all those angels, they're not human beings. They're not supposed to be gendered. They also don't even look like human beings according to the Bible. Yeah, don't they look like terrifying monsters? Yes, yeah. They're like a lion face with wings and the heels of a donkey or whatever. Those are actually cherubim and seraphim. They're not supposed to have human faces. There's just supposed to be these masses of feathers and eyes and things. But like angels. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. If you read the book of Revelation, shit is whack, but people just are like, these are what angels look like. This is how we're going to paint them. They just look like seagulls that got hit by a car. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. But yeah, so I got a Cheeto? (laughs) (laughs) But I got into it because I was like, I thought angels were non-gendered. Like, angels are the most gender fluid of anything, which is why I don't understand why the Bible, like, Bible people aren't in into the idea of non-gendered beings because like angels don't have gender like god shouldn't have a gender really but people just get so in their head of like especially priests i think it's because as the creation story is told in the bible there are two specific genders created and i think people get very tied to that idea that God intentionally created two. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that I think that's right. where that comes from. They They're, also they call they say him a lot in the they Bible. They do right? in the in the King George version anyway. You mean the King James version? But that's yeah. also what did like I say? George. <laughs> Very different kings. <laughs> Whoops. Um. But yeah, but I think that's a a, translation. a human translation thing. Yeah. yeah. Because in the original Hebrew versions, they have words for God that are non-gender. Yeah, it's right. Yahweh. It's not even supposed to be written down, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's like they're Christian, um, especially American Christian religion, is very hyper-masculine in a lot of ways. And yeah. they kind of like worship masculinity. And that's why sometimes like if you talk to specific spiritual leaders they want 
things to be more masculine than they're even talked about or portrayed in the Bible. Yeah, it's very my, weird. My idea of God is just like a big pair of balls <laughs> in the sky. One's full of pee, <laughs> the other's full of prayers. <laughs> if you wanna, if you wanna know why that makes sense, uh, listen, listen to, to the, the bonus, bonus episode. episode. Comes is... out on Wednesday. No, this is just me making sure that you get the bonus episode edited. That's fair. That's good. So uh, they also believe that your soul and body are separate. Okay. Um, because they occasionally believe in bilocation or soul traveling, which means you can be in two places at once where your soul is in one place, even though your body's in another. That happens to me all the time. Um, kind of like astral projection. Yeah. Or a phone call. Or mushrooms. <laughs> That's fair. They also borrow the idea of karma from Hinduism. Uh-huh. Pretty common. What's they... the karma for plagiarism? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently none. Because um, it's not linked to any of the five passions, I think. Um, oh, what wait, the no. the five passions? Uh, anger, greed, lust, undue attachment to the physical world, and vanity. But I would say plagiarism is vanity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was going to be uh, passion. The five passions are uh, fruit <laughs> of the Christ. Um, I can't think of other words. Um, uh, it's also, they do that thing. We see it in a lot of groups like this where they regard themselves as the best path to God, but not the only where it's like, your thing's cool, but our thing is the best. So like, Oh, man, I'm going to be wrong if I say this. I think it's monotheistic belief that... Uh, There's one God? Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all follow the same God, just in different sides or different names. I mean, that's not necessarily no. what monotheism means, but... No, I mean, not like the that, belief that's in one an God. Idea. But there was, there's a theory that's like... I well, think they all stem from Abraham. Yeah. Someone is screaming sure. to their yeah. podcast right now. Someone is slamming on their their <laughs> steering wheel, going like, "No!" Well, I mean, they they are all Abrahamic religions. Yeah, they so they do all they are all linked and tied and to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, um, <laughs> there there are people who will argue that they share a common root root God uh-huh. potentially, as in the God of Abraham. Um, but they hold wildly different tenets. So even, you know, that being the case, it's a little tough to kind of lump them together because they are disparate. I would say your Christianity and Judaism have probably more in common than either of them do with Islam necessarily. Okay. Because they Judaism Judaism and Christianity share a lot of the same prophets and characters whereas Islam has Abraham and then like one or two others but then they've got like a whole other cast of characters. They're like a full-on different series. It's like Buffy and Angel. <laughs> it's like a, it's, like that's a weird but very accurate metaphor. It's like The Office, UK and America. Kind version. of, yeah. No, for sure, though. It's like we have Jesus and they have Muhammad, just like we have Michael Scott and they had Ricky Gervais. Kind of, yeah. That's actually... I want to yeah. see the Venn diagram of people that get pages Christian, Muslim, and Buffy Angel reference. <laughs> Buffy Angel like, reference. Like, where's that Venn diagram I'm, of I'm people? I'm not even like a huge Joss Whedon fan but just like I was trying to think of like what's a show that has like a common origin but then spinoffs with like completely different characters and that seemed to be the one 
That made That's the most fantastic. sense to That's me. That's great. That's really great. Um, monotheistic just means that there's a yeah, single god, god as opposed to multiple. I was just reading this thing on uh, a Facebook group called Christian Singles Living for Jesus Heart Emoji. <laughs> and it was basically somebody trying to explain uh, what they called the monotheistic theory, which is that all three religions stem from one. And wouldn't you know it, a lot of Christian singles living for Jesus with heart emojis did not agree with that one bit so i think it also depends on like this sounds weird but the theological education you had growing up in christianity oh yeah a lot of people's point of reference for why that was wrong was because their pastor or whomever told them something different well and i feel like if you have a uh, a more global understanding of the historical aspects of both judaism and christianity and islam there are common links. They do believe different stuff. So it's like you can't lump them all together necessarily. But that's kind of like saying like, hey, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and regular ass Christians all stem from the same place. But they all believe different stuff and are very different. That's fair. You know. Yeah. Always read the source material. Yes. Yeah. That's that's it, man. Every religion. Ask questions. Ask questions. Yeah. Read your source Always. material. Yeah. Figure out your own findings. Understand you know? that historically Christianity was a Jewish cult for a while. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, we're going to get They into, were considered a cult in their day. We're going to get into it uh, next week on an episode that's really fucking crazy. It's a, basically like a two. I think at this point it's a two part series. And uh, you're going to see what uh, some people that took that that it's a cult aspect real far well and, and here's the thing it's like i don't do i think it's a cult today no and do i necessarily think it was a cult then no but in the eyes of the people around them yeah that's kind of how it was viewed it's a new age religion it's a, sure. it was a new age religion for the time it was what's this new thing following this guy that we don't know yeah I mean, to be fair, if you if you do look at some of the actions that Jesus took, it does sound like the dickhead actions of a cult leader, where he was like, "Nah, send enough fish, send it back. I want more fucking fish." He didn't have to send it back; he just made more fish. What was that blind guy? Here, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna rub this dirt in your eyes, blindy. Come see me in three days. And he was like, "But I can see you today. I'm healed." Yeah, pretty much every action that he took, if it didn't have a solution, people would have just been like, "What a dick! What a dick!" He's just flipping all of our tables over. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, I mean, technically, in a way, it's a monotheistic religion in that they believe that God is light, and the light is God, and the light is the path to God. Yeah, I saw this on Game of Thrones. Yeah, it is kind of the Lord of the Light, huh? Yeah. Just in time for the last episode. Um, But (laughs) it also is just a mix of every other thing and every other kind of more new agey, Mm -hmm. believe everything that you want, yoga, Scientology salad. I feel like the only reason that they didn't include crystals was because he died before they came into popularity. I mean... Not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were around back in the day, but not in, like, the wild popularity that we see them now. Yeah. But it just seems like this is, um, this happens with groups like, uh, we, like, you brought a great, um, representation of Ryuho Okawa, who, like, Ryuho Okawa is exactly what would have happened if, if L. Ron Hubbard was alive through all of Scientology. And I mean, right. like, currently. Right. Because eventually... 
uh, like L. Ron Hubbard got people clear, and then he realized that the real money was getting them to chase that dragon. Yeah. So he kind of like came up with some new shit that repealed that, and every couple of years he would come up with something to keep people locked in. Yeah, now there's levels above clear. Yeah. Yeah. And now Ryuho Okawa is in that boat where he was like, like I mentioned, like he was like, okay, you gotta be happy. And then he's like, well, you gotta be happy a certain way. And then he was like, well, you gotta be happy so good that you go past the levels that we possibly thought happy could be right. known. Oh. You thought happy was when you clapped your hands. It goes farther than that. Is it, is it over 9,000? <laughs> Sick anime reference, bro. <laughs> and then he was like, uh, I understood that one. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Oh, too white and white far away five. to high five. Oh, wow. Nice high five, you guys. <laughs> Armando just clapped his hands. <laughs> I uh, and that and then eventually he uh, you know he realized that people were getting done with that so he brought aliens into the shit so that's what I mean is that's this exact type of thing happening in different religions where it's like gotta keep it fresh yeah gotta write what I know and what I know is other people's work stealing a hundred percent if he were a comedian he would be Carlos Mencia okay Ooh. but answer me this if a man steals bread to feed his family so that he can plagiarize a book is he truly a thief <laughs> or is he a prophet <laughs> yeah. or is he a prophet <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna say probably still a, a, still a thief fair enough <laughs> Well, hey, man. Um, I'm going to be putting on my ranch dressing fan fiction soon. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God, dude. Do it. <laughs> I can, but I'm not going to. We should. No. I, uh... <laughs> it's grossing me out just thinking about it. <laughs> what if cows just made ranch dressing? <clears throat> anyway, I'm done. We don't know that they don't. What if What if every other is for a different sauce? <laughs> this one's That is barbecue. truly the American dream. <laughs> Oh my god. I invented my heaven. <laughs> a cow and every other is a different sauce. Is this the platform you're running on for president? Yeah. <laughs> Armando Torres for class president. Every other is a different sauce. I feel like we should include that because it's so crazy, but it doesn't relate to anything. It I'm doesn't. so sorry. It's, it's fine. Hey, you know what? If you want to just like kick back, relax... Come on some knives. Come on some knives, uh, and then meditate. You know what? You know what the best place to do that is our national parks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't legally know if it's illegal to come in a national park. Come on some knives and tell me why you're spinning. Sorry, <laughs> that was for like four people. <laughs> That's the new advertisement we wrote for Sequoia National Park. <laughs> Come on down and on some knives. I did it when she was but drinking. But specifically hunting knives. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. If, if anyone out there is a lawyer, which there are, several people have hit us up to tell us that they're lawyers and they want to help us release those episodes. Thank you so we much. We do need to know if you're actually an alligator, though. Yeah, we do need to know that. Some of you are really good at bits, and I'm not going to trust you if you're not a real lawyer. <laughs> Send us a scale for proof. <laughs> That can scale. work either way, because lawyers <laughs> use the, the justice scale, yeah, yeah. and the alligators have scales. <laughs> All right, fuck this shit. <laughs> if, you, if you're a lawyer and you can tell me whether or not it's against the law for somebody to come in a national park, please let me know. My hearing is on June 30th. Uh, <laughs> please defend me. No, that'd be terrible. 
Anyway. The day after our live show. Yeah. I'll be appearing in court defending my jizz. My 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 court appearance is an hour and a half of some of the best research. <laughs> anyway, Open Skies Training Company is a great company that um, makes a lot of great stuff. They have shirts. They got posters. They have dog collars. Uh, and they also print our posters, our Om Shinrikyo posters, which hey. more people are starting to order. We still have some of those Om Shinrikyo posters. They're super great. You definitely should get some. And for every order that you make, uh, Open Skies Training Company will donate $1 to the National Parks Foundation. Anyway, Open Skies Training Company, you can go to openskiestraining.com or you can go to Facebook and Instagram and find Open Skies Training Co. That's Open Skies Training C-O. And if you want to... Um, sing who with me record yourself singing who and you can send it to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram if you want to send me a fancy box of knives <laughs> Armando I got some white goo waiting no, for <laughs> no no unused <laughs> untainted you want virgin kn- what want- are you gonna do with these knives Armando <laughs> I'm going to come on them. <laughs> if you want to send me a box of knives or uh, get in touch with me, you can uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. You can find all my stand-up show dates and other stuff at www.mondodoesstuff.com. If you want to send me, I don't know, singing tips, uh, <laughs> uh, crystals, Pokemon, just send me Pokemon. I love Pokemon. I, it's all. This is my only cult. Uh, please send all the things to me at Sundress Comic or check out my art on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. And if you like our show and you want to hear us do a live show, live bow, show. Bow, bow, bow. If you're anywhere near San Diego, California, you should definitely come out on June 29th at 7:30 p.m. Yes, this is uh, added in later. It's because the venue changed the time on us but that's fine it's just happening 30 minutes earlier at 7 30 p.m because we will be at the comedy palace doing our fantastic live show it's super fun it's a lot of great jokes and some of the best research we've ever done um you can find those tickets at coltpodcastshow.com slash san diego or our regular website coltpodcastshow.com and then just head over to the shows tab and if you want to follow our show you can do so on instagram at coltpodcast or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you have, I don't know, knives to send us, you can send those to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Do it. Send it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, if you want any of those addresses or more information, you can go to our website, which is www.coldpodcastshow.com. And please come to our live show because we want to see you and it's a total blast. And we had so much fun doing it in Kansas City. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Do it. Tickets are $10 and all tickets include a meet and greet. Uh, we'll sign stuff if you want us to. We'll yeah. do. We're just excited to see you. Almost anything. We will do it if you show up. Sort of. If you bring me a fucking knife, dude. <laughs> 
Don't bring knives, please. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. I do a lot of bits. Please don't bring a knife to the show. <laughs> please do not. Please do bring weed. Hey, we're doing a cold podcast knife show. It's like a live show. <laughs> it's like that guy at three in the morning that's like, this package comes with these four folded knives, these two Bowie knives, and this nasty knife. And you can cut a penny for some reason. Why would you ever want that? It's not a knife show. <laughs> this, this is a, is a live show. show. All right. Oh, God. It's gotten far too silly. Um, I'm going to say don't drink everyone else's religions. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like instead of saying goodbye, we should sing who. Will you guys sing who with me? Okay. okay. Ready? Ready? <clears throat> How are you still off pitch? <laughs> nah, you're good. I love it. <laughs> That's oddly the most on pitch I've ever been. 